Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Are we excited? Was that not beautiful? You know, he is a good, good God. Man, what a beautiful song. So, you know, if you've been around us for any amount of time, uh, you've heard it said that, that God answers every prayer in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? So from a personal perspective... You know, I spent 36 years of my life looking for answers, uh, ways to fill that void in my soul. And I was always thinking, you know, that that next thing would be the answer I was looking for, right? That could be, you know, maybe a vacation or or a job, money, a relationship, maybe even reconciliation, you know? But it never happened. And I ended up in Teen Challenges, Again, most of you or some of you know, if you've never been here, hang on tight. You've got a couple of crazy pastors that talk about their past a lot. And I remember in Teen Challenge, you know, I was completely broken, like came to the end of myself, like, you know, 20 years of addiction and all this stuff and a broken life. And I remember that through praying and begging God to restore my family, thinking that that was what I needed to be whole again, that that would, that would fix everything, that God was, was going to do that as long as I, you know, gave him all of myself. And in that, what ended up happening through this intense prayer and deep worship and sincere commitment to Jesus, I found the peace, love, joy, and contentment I had been chasing my entire life because Jesus is the answer. So as we wrap up this month of prayer and fasting, I'm sure many of you have spent this time seeking direction or, or answers for specific questions or situations in your life. And that's good. It's expected. That's what we should be doing, right? But I, I want you to know that if you didn't hear God's voice, that if you didn't get a clear answer to something, that it's right in front of you. And it's Jesus. See, sometimes these situations in our lives are just meant to draw us closer to him, to show us that regardless of what's going on, we can do all things through him who loves us, right? And that true peace, joy, and contentment won't come through anything but him. See, some of you here in this room today are looking for answers. Maybe you're tired, you're weary, Maybe you're hurting or even feeling hopeless. And if so, you're exactly where you need to be right now in this very moment. Today, you'll hear maybe for the first time, or if, you, if you've heard it before, you'll be reminded that Jesus is the answer. As Scripture tells us in John 14, 6, it says, He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And so here's the thing, right? The flesh breeds nothing but stress, anxiety, fleeting pleasures, guilt, and a meaningless existence, right? But when we have an encounter with the living God, when his grace and truth invade our lives, when we're we're given this peace that transcends all understanding, freedom from whatever chains have held us captive, and an inexplicable joy that derives from the knowledge of us being forgiven and redeemed. And the gospel is very simple. The gospel is very simple. See, we're all imperfect. Are there any perfect people here? I was going to say, that's down the street. So we're all imperfect, right? Sin has tainted our lives in one way or another. 
because we're human, right? And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is imperfect, right? That's why I always say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Sin has consequences, right? Maybe it's strained relationships, guilt, sickness even, death. But even more important than these immediate consequences is this. It separates us from a perfect God. And I've heard it said a bunch of times, you know, well, he loves me just the way I am. He created me this way. Anybody ever heard that objected? And you're absolutely right. He does. He loves you just the way you are. And he loves you so much that he refuses to leave you there. He loves you so much that he wants to invade your life, transform your heart and your mind, transform everything about you, your family, all through you and in you, because he loves you so much. See, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that the penalty for this sin is death. And, and this goes beyond a physical death. He's talking about a spiritual death here. Right? And this spiritual death, what it is, is it's eternal separation from God. It's the absence of his grace and his mercy and his love in your life for all of eternity. That's what spiritual death is. But the great news comes in the second part of Romans chapter, uh, Romans 6.23, where he says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gift we receive in Jesus. He, he undoes this damnation. And I think a lot of times what happens is, is we forget the consequences. We forget what we have in Jesus. Or if you don't know this already, you've never know, you, you don't realize that eternity is a long time. It's something that none of us can fathom. It's not just an elongated amount of time. It's just an is forever. It's your existence And so if you've never fully accepted this fact that Jesus is the only way to salvation and that he is the answer to all our wants and needs, if you you want to accept this invitation and free gift of eternal life, then today is the day. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And there are people who walked in this building today who don't know Jesus, who haven't secured that eternity. And so I pray that through this message today that you hear something that God speaks to you. That has been my prayer all week and all morning is that whoever doesn't know him has an encounter with the living God today as he passes by. And that those of you who already do know him, who maybe fallen into a rut or maybe have forgotten, that you come back to a place of passion and desire for him, that he reignites something inside of you that you've never felt before. That's the prayer. Jesus is the answer to all our prayers. And so I'm going to stop for a moment right now before I get going, and we're going to pray together. And I just, just ask you to open your hearts and your minds that these songs we just sang aren't just fairy tales or catchy tunes. This is who our God is. Father, as as Willie prayed, as we sang 
You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. And Lord, without you, we are lost. We are lost. And so, Father, I just pray right now, right here in this room, that you would do something really special. Father, that you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, that you, that you would help me to get out of the way so that your word would go forth and accomplish what it was meant to accomplish today, Lord, the saving of many lives, Lord, the changing of eternities, Lord. I pray, Father, that people would come to know you in a very real and intimate way, that you'd become more than a bumper sticker or a radio station to them. Father, that you would become their all in all. So, Lord, we love you, and we praise you. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, I'm going to be reading a passage out of Mark chapter 10, one that I've shared and preached on before, that is a very special passage to me, and I've ended up back here a bunch of times, and I guess it's because the story is so familiar to me. It reminds me of mine. It reminds me of how good our God is and that he can do anything for anyone at any time. And so it's the story of blind Bartimaeus. It's in verse 46. It starts and it says, They came to Jericho and as he was leaving and going out from Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, it's important that we see this, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. So picture Jesus with his disciples, and there's just this huge mass of people following him, right? And here's this blind guy, Bartimaeus, who's just sitting there by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out, it says. He didn't just call. He didn't say, hey. It says he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then it says many were sternly telling him to be quiet. Now think about that for a minute. Has anyone ever, ever had to sternly tell someone to be quiet? What does that look like? Shut up. Stop talking. Be quiet. Right? They're embarrassed by him, right? So they're saying, Jesus. I'm sorry. They're saying, Bartimaeus, shut your mouth. And, and this is what his response is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. He kept crying out all the more, my scripture says. And Jesus stopped and he says, call him over here. Call him over here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. So in his calling, what ends up happening is Jesus hears him. Jesus doesn't neglect him. Jesus doesn't ignore him. Jesus hears him amidst all these hundreds of people probably. And he says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. There's a reason he's crying out and refuses to hush his mouth. And I love this. It says, they call the blind up man, take courage, stand up. He's calling to you. And it says, throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. Don't just brush over this stuff. Throwing aside his cloak. Back then, his cloak, that cloak actually gave him the right to beg, number one. Number two, it's, it's his earthly possessions. He doesn't have much. We know he's a beggar. He's probably sitting there with a little clay cup, waiting for a coin, a coin, sitting on some dirty mat, and he's been there every day all by himself. And he just, he gets this call from Christ, this encounter, this opportunity. And you know what he does? He throws everything aside and runs to Jesus. It says he jumped up. 
And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. I need to see. And you know, just like us, you know, Bartimaeus in that moment, he thinks, if I could just see, this will solve all my problems. If I could just get my vision, then I would have no more problems. This is the answers to all my prayers. And you know what Jesus said to him? Go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Your trust in me, your belief that I can heal you, your knowledge of who I am is what made you well. And it says immediately he regained his sight. Immediately. And then began to follow him on the road. There was a response A change happened. He encountered Christ. Not only was he physically healed, but something stirred inside of him that changed his path. And so let's talk about that today. How Jesus is the answer first to our brokenness. He's the answer to our brokenness. See, everyone in this room has something going on. Do you know that? There's probably, and I guesstimated wrong in the first, I said 130, we had 150. I'm pretty good, but I shouldn't work in a circus. But I'm going to tell you this. There's probably a few hundred people in this room right now. And every single one of you have got something going on. Every single one of you. Think about that for a moment. Right? Even if your life is good, there are things happening that are beyond your ability to fix. It just is. It's the way it is. Life is tough, isn't it? Life is challenging. There's sickness. There's lost loved ones. There's strained relationships. There's loneliness. There's heartache. And there's sin. See, Bartimaeus was a broken man. He was desperate, right? And we know that his existence must have been a very lonely one, right? Because has anyone here ever felt like they were invisible in their struggle? Do you ever feel like like what you were going through, no one really understood or no one could really understand or that no one really cared as much as they say they do, there's those moments where you just feel alone in your struggle, isn't there? And so it's common for people who struggle with physical or, and or mental challenges to feel alone and unseen, right? Even more so. And so we know that he was poor because he was a beggar. And how do we treat beggars usually? Let's be honest. Right? And I just want you to think about this for a second and hear me out before you take your stance and fold your arms, okay? You're leaving market basket and there's somebody standing there with a little sign, right? And the first thing we do is either we block them out completely, right? We put on our blinders and they're like, you're at the light and they're like right here in your window. You know what I'm talking about? You really have to do that whole, I'm not hearing you, fix the radio thing. Or we sort of give this thought or a look of shame, like, you know, uh, he's probably an an addict. She probably, you know, uh, she could probably get a job if she would put all that time into, into work instead of standing on a corner. Maybe she wouldn't need to do that, you know, or, or maybe we just sort of say, I'm not going to contribute to that lifestyle. There's so many resources out there. Right, And I don't believe that that's the heart of Jesus in us. I don't believe that that's the spirit of God, that when we see people in need, that the first thing we do is we sort of judge and we make a, you know, this, this sort of person into something that we're more comfortable with ignoring. And I'm not telling you to give. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm not telling you that every person with a sign it deserves your money or needs your money or should get your money. 
don't hear that message today. But you know what they do? They deserve your care in some way, shape, or form. They deserve your prayers. They deserve a wave. They deserve to know that they're not invisible. They deserve to know that they, they are human beings that matter. And Bartimaeus, this example, this story where Jesus says, out of a crowd full of people, all the people who are already following him, all the good Christians, right? He sees the guy on the side of the road crying out. And what does he do? He stops everybody and he says, bring him to me. That's who I want to talk to, that guy. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, don't pay attention to him. You know, he's just, he's just begging to, to support his addiction. And so there's these opportunities in our lives all around us, all the time, every day. And what we do is, is we get in these ruts, we get in these patterns, and we think, you know, well, as long as I'm going to church, as long as I'm cursing less, as long as I'm giving, as long as I'm serving or I go to a Bible study, you know, I'm a pretty good person, God's pleased. And there's no progress. We're not going deeper. We're not going further. We're not becoming the people that he's created us to be, right? <clears throat> we know that in Bartimaeus, there was a spiritual brokenness to this point because he hadn't encountered Jesus yet, right? So the culmination of Bartimaeus' struggle is what finally led him to cry out to Jesus when he heard that Jesus was passing by. And I just want to talk about this for a second, I want to think about this. See, there's this thing, and if you've been to Wednesday nights, you've heard me say this a lot, that I call prescribed grace. Prescribed grace. And what that looks like in my life and where this came from for me was, was when I realized that all of my failures, all of my misery, all of my issues, really, all of the brokenness was this sort of prescription, this prescription of grace that God had poured out on me or allowed to happen to me so that I would come to the end of myself and finally say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so every single one of us, you know, do you remember your moment? Do you remember your moment when you finally said, okay, Jesus, yes, Jesus, I believe Jesus. It wasn't a mountaintop moment, was it? It became one. But in that moment, it was desperate, right? It was a cry. It was a need. It was this need deep in your soul where you realized that you were blind, just like Bartimaeus. And so that prescribed grace can look different in everybody's life because every single one of you are different. And so what matters to you may not matter to, to this side. What matters deeply to them may be non-consequential or inconsequential to them. The point is, is God knows each of us so personally, so deeply, that he brings us to these places where we finally go, okay, have your way, God. Have your way. Because you know what we're really good at? Fighting in our comfortability, even though our comfortability is misery. We'll stay there. And so God's going to tweak it a little bit more. He's going to turn the heat up a little bit more. And you know why he does that? It's not because he's a cruel God, because he's a loving God. But he knows that this life, according to James, is just a vapor. It's temporary. It's fleeting. How many people know life is short? Time flies, right? 
And so what, what God cares about more than us having a great life now is that we have a great life later. He cares more about our eternity than he does about our comforts here and now. And a lot of times that's what we do is we, we, we sort of try to make Jesus look like a genie in a bottle where, you know, uh, I'm having financial issues. God, would you bless me? Did you know that that might not be a blessing to some? Did you know that might be a curse to some people that money is actually a bad thing for certain people? And we think that finances is a blessing. Sometimes, like I said, it's not. And so what we need to do is understand that Jesus is the blessing. That this new life is the blessing. That through this prescribed grace, through having for not having or hurting or hopelessness, that's where we actually find hope. That's where we actually find purpose. Man, I wish I could take like a piece of my brain. For those of you who don't know me for the first 36 years, there's a couple who do or have seen, you know, you're in here today. You could tell some stories, right, Kev? But that's not who I am anymore. Because, you know, the God of, of all creation, the God of the universe, he cared enough to enter into my life, to invade my life, and allow me to fall and to hurt and to lose it all so that I would turn to him. And now I have immeasurably more than I ever hoped or imagined. Amen? Can anyone relate? Can we praise him for that? You see, brokenness is often the doorway that leads us to the end of ourselves. And I think we know that, right? But have you experienced the healing power of throwing yourself at the mercy of Jesus and giving him full control of your life? I mean, that's where it is. That's where healing really happens. That's where it all just comes to to fruition and it really starts to make sense when you just say, have your way, God. I'm not good at this, right? And if you haven't, then today's the day. Today's the day where you can say, you know what? Just like Bartimaeus, I'm going to leave everything behind to follow you. I'm going to throw off my cloak. I'm going to leave my, my, my little cup and my mat and all my earthly goods and anything that's kept me from getting off of that seat, and I'm going to follow you because I know you can. <clears throat> Ask yourselves, what are you holding on to that's keeping you from having that encounter with Jesus? What's stopping you from following him fully? I just want you to think about that for a moment because we all hold on to things in this life that we think are so valuable. Things that, you know, maybe we've put at maybe not above God, but, you know, they're right there. Right? And, and we're not willing to, to forsake them. We're not willing to let them go because they've brought us comfort or they've made us feel a sense of maybe accomplishment or they've validated us. Right? Whatever it is, that might be the very thing that God is trying to remove from your life because he wants you to meet him. He wants that encounter. I think about, you know, the greatest and most reassuring invit- invitation that comes from Jesus' mouth himself, and it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You tired? Come to me. Are you weary? Come to me. I'm the one who's going to give you rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle, and I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you're broken... If you're lost, if you're hurting, if you're sick, if you're suffering, Jesus says, come to me. I'm going to give you rest 
rest that nothing in this life can offer you, that no person, no relationship, no amount of money, no home, no car, no clothes, no jewelry, no nothing can offer you because I am permanent, I am eternal, and those things will all be ash at some time. So Jesus is then the answer to our need for a meaningful existence, right? Until this point in life, Bartimaeus' existence was pretty meaningless, wasn't it? I mean, think about this, day in, day out, just sitting there by the side of the road, hoping for the generosity of a stranger, right? Anyone here ever feel like they're just caught in a rut? Anyone feel like every day is the same day and you're doing the same thing and it's just mundane and monotonous, right? like Groundhog Day. I was thinking about this in the first service. You know, I'm dating myself a little bit, but you know, there's this really funny movie from like a hundred years ago that Bill Murray was in. And you know, it's Groundhog Day and he's trapped in this little town with Pen- Punxsutawney Phil, that's his name. And, uh, and every day it's just the same thing. Everybody else does the same thing and all the same things keep happening. And, and he wakes up and, it's this, and he is the only one who is outside of this reality, and he literally gets to a point where he's just walking through things, giving high fives, dodging cars without even moving, and it's just kind of funny, but it's not. Because you think about it, it's a lot like our lives, isn't it? Like we wake up, and we go to the same job, and we do the same things and the same routines, and then we expect change, or we hope for change, or we wonder why we feel so dry or isolated, or, or not so close to God anymore. Right? Like the old saying, right? If you're not as close to God as you once were, then who moved? Because God doesn't move. God is unchanging. And so what we need to do is we need to invite him into these mundane existences. Right? We search for meaning in relationships, education, occupations, material things. And some of us even resort to things like drugs and alcohol to drown out this monotony. We think if I just find the right mate, or if I just get that right job, or, or have enough money, or that home I've always wanted, well, everything will be perfect, and I'll finally be content, right? And we're like hamsters on a wheel, just chasing after these things, only we find that when we finally do achieve or attain these things, that they aren't the answer. Amen. They're not the answer. Not only do these things not fully satisfy us or give meaning to our lives, they actually become thieves of joy and peace and purpose. Think about that for a moment. We often become slaves to the things that we think will free us, and we trade freedom for cheap substitutes that will never fulfill us. And I love what Jesus says, his answer to all of this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to sap us of everything, right? But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that you may have a full life, he says. And you know what that full life is? I'll tell you what it isn't. It's not all the things that we make it here in the Western church, right? And I think about this a lot, you know, when people say, "How oh, I'm so blessed, we're so blessed, or, you know, we talk about finances, or we couple material things and all these, you know, healing and whatever. Guess what? You know, we've been to Haiti, a couple of us, and, and, you know, a couple of times, and I've seen people who have nothing. They have less than Bartimaeus, and they love the Lord, and they're so close to the Lord, and their, their, their prayers are so deep and so meaningful and so intimate. Amen. 
and they have nothing that we call blessing. Does Jesus love them less? Of course not. We've got to stop taking all this stuff and heaping it on top of Jesus and saying, this is what the Lord wants for me, or this is all from the Lord. Come on. Yes, he does give us resources. Absolutely. Yes, he does. And most of us are holding so tightly to those that we're not even willing to share or give our portion. Ouch. But the reality is, is that it's all nothing. Some of us are so wealthy, we don't even know how poor we are. See, what the enemy wants is he doesn't want you to be fulfilled. He wants you to to be left wanting for more, an increased appetite for the things of this world, right? These things that can't satisfy. And that's what happens, right? When we get more money, we want more. When we get a house, we want a bigger one. When we get a car, we want a nicer one, right? We get a white, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Just kidding. See, what Jesus wants is he wants us to find a full and abundant life in him. That's what he wants. So that may or may not consist of material things, right? It may or may not consist of a spouse. It may or may not consist of good health. But I tell you, it will consist of peace, joy, contentment, and purpose. That's what it is. Because the purpose of life is a life of purpose, and it's God's purpose, not ours. I love what the, the late, great Billy Graham said. He said, we're not cisterns made for hoarding. We're channels made for sharing. Think about that for a minute. We're not cisterns made for hoarding. We're channels made for sharing. And so we should be conduits of the gospel, conduits of the love of Christ, conduits for truth, conduits for grace, conduits for mercy. Right? And a lot of times we're just hoarding it. See, loving God and people radically and being an an ambassador for Jesus is what he wants for us. That's our purpose. And like we have up here, this isn't just some catchy mantra. Love God, love others, love people, and reach the world. Because that's our purpose. That's what we're called to. Amen? Amen? Bartimaeus found that purpose that day when Jesus was passing by. He didn't, he didn't forsake that opportunity. He capitalized. He cried out, and he refused to allow anyone or anything to get in his way. He had finally had enough of this meaningless existence, the rut he had been stuck in. Anyone here in this room today looking for more? Who's looking for more in their life? Who's looking for a richer, more deep, meaningful, deeper existence? Lots of hands, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Who's tired of the old humdrum existence and wants purpose? Right? Jesus is the answer. He is the answer to meaningful existence. And that brings me to this last point, that Jesus is the answer to our need for connection. This is where it all happens. See, as I alluded to earlier, Bartimaeus' existence must must have been pretty lonely, right? And loneliness is painful, isn't it, church? Isn't it? We weren't created to be alone. I mean, we see all the way at the beginning of creation in Genesis 2 where God said, it's not good for man to be alone. 
God himself said this because we were created for a relationship. We were created with a need for connection, right? And the problem is, is we often settle for connections and relationships that don't draw us closer to God, but the opposite. Let me give you a couple of examples from my experiences. I've been working with men for quite a while in recovery, uh, discipleship as well in the church and even through some secular agencies. And, and I've never, I always say this, I've never, I've seen men fall more for relationships than anything else. Relationships become the biggest hindrance more than any other thing. And it's funny because this is kind of how it goes, right? This guy's doing pretty well for a few months, maybe six months, maybe three days, who knows, right? We get it all figured out. And then they meet somebody. And this person meets a good version of them, a better version of them, right? There's no drinking, there's no drugs, there's no lying, right? This guy's trying to do the right thing. He goes to church on Sunday. Mom, you wouldn't believe it. Right? He doesn't swear. Such a nice guy. And what ends up happening is, you know, we, we meet this person, and, and they're maybe not equally yoked, right, with us. They don't share the same faith. And then they say, they come to me, they go, hey, I met someone. And I go, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> and I say, really, who is she? Is she a Christian is always my first question. And they always say, no, but. The no buts are dangerous, just so you know. These no buts will attack our, attack our lives and steal us away from Jesus. And they'll say, no, but I believe God brought her into my life so she could get saved and come to church and get to know you. And I go, oh, is that what you think? You're three months into this thing, and all of a sudden, you're saving everyone. And then what happens is time goes on and you stop going to church as much because you have to go see her parents who live out of town. Or, you know, you can't go to the Bible study on Wednesday night because she works late that night. And that's the only day we can spend time. There's all these little things that creep in and you can see how it's almost strategic, like the enemy's doing it himself. It's a little simple lure. And we fall for it all the time. And, and, and then the next thing you know, this relationship, instead of drawing you closer to God, is pushing you apart. And then you wonder, how did I get here? See, what happens is, is everything, every relationship in our life, what, it, what needs to happen is it needs to go through the, the sort of screening of the Holy Spirit, I say. And then there's wisdom in godly counsel. We need to lean on people that we trust and say, hey, do you think this is right? Does this look healthy to you? Is this going to hurt or help me? And then be willing to receive it because your emotions and your flesh and your lust are powerful things. They will, these relationships will rob us spiritually. They'll sap us. And the next thing you know, it's just, it's never this like, a gradu, it's always a gradual thing. It's never this like blatant, immediate, you know, thing. It's, it's, like, it's like, I always liken it to uh, sailing a ship. And some of you will know this. I know Captain Bob's back there knows it much better than I do. But, you know, if you're off by two degrees and you just keep traveling that way for a long time, guess what? You're off by hundreds of miles. It's not like taking a hard right, is it? 
So I love what Maya Angelou said. She said, a woman's heart should be so hidden in God that a man has to seek him just to find her. Right? And men, that goes both ways. Because that woman should find you in him as well. And that's how this is supposed to work. See, when we're not fully committed to pursuing Jesus, then we're only offering people a lesser version of ourselves. Do the people we invite into our lives deserve that? Do they deserve this lesser version? I'm going to tell you what was revolutionary in my life. Right? After doing it wrong, as I said, for 36 years, I had a pastor who took the time with me, and he poured into me. And one of the things he said, he goes, you're going to start dating again someday. He had a lot of confidence in me. And he says, and what's going to happen is, he says, is you're, you're going to be ready for her. Because if you're not, he says, you're only selling her or shortchanging your future wife. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. just want to have coffee. <laughs> but he made a lot of sense. Because, you know, when we're dating, when we're pursuing another human, when we're asking them for their time to invest in years or months or even days of their life to exchange this most valuable resource, we shouldn't be giving them this cheaper, lesser version of ourselves. We should be ready for our future spouse, even if it doesn't work out that way. And that way, once marriage happens, you can, you can look back five or ten years back and you can say, you know what? My wife got the best version of me. She had godly courtship. My wife got what she deserved. She didn't get some le lesser version that was led by lust and emotion. And so I think a lot of times we miss that. And so men, women, do yourself a favor. If you're single, if you're in pursuit of a spouse, don't forget to be ready for them. Don't give them something they don't deserve. <clears throat> I'm not just referring to romantic relationships here. I'm talking about every type of connection, but these romantic ones are the ones that seem to be the most focused on and are a great place where we can examine our hearts and our motives. But if we want deep, meaningful connection that honors God as well as those we're in relationship with, well, then we must first connect with Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing like a friendship that's rooted in Christ. There's nothing like people in your life who are, who are pursuing him the same way you are, where you can trust them and you can lean on them and you can rely on them and they'll pray for you and they'll love on you and they'll be there for you. We're not perfect, but we're, we're in the right place and we're moving in the right direction together. And that's what we need, more godly friends. Am I telling you not to have ungodly friends? No, we need to go and make disciples. We need to reach the lost. We need to go out and show, Jesus, and show people the love of Christ. But you still need some, a healthy amount of godly people in your life. I love how Jesus in John 15, what he says, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and the one who remains in me, who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Think about that for a second. Jesus knows that we can do nothing apart from him. And he knows that if we're going to be in relationship, then we need to be connected to him. And this goes for all relationship. Because we can't love him or love others the way we're supposed to unless we're completely and fully committed to Christ. We can't. I mean, you can try it. Go right ahead. But as we've said plenty of times before, I'm your research monkey. I've made all the mistakes. You know, and I can tell you, I've tried it on my own. And I've tried to produce fruit on my own. 
And guess what? It's nothing better than what my Aunt Mamie has on her coffee table, that fake stuff that looks pretty but has no value. We simply cannot function properly apart from Jesus. See, he invites us into relationship with him so that we can first experience wholeness and healing, which leads to fullness of life, and then results in a radical transformation. And this gives us, as I said, this ability to love him and others. See, John 15 tells us that we can't do any of it apart from him. And he knows this is what we need, so he invites us in. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're broken, come to me. I'll give you rest. Attach yourself to me. I will produce fruit in your life. And it will be real love. Who wants to give someone they care about or love a false version or a lesser version or counterfeit version or your version, your tainted version of love. Think about it for a second. Man, the people I love, I want them to get the absolute best. You know? And that only happens in him. See, Bartimaeus found the connection he had been longing for that day, and he left everything else behind for it. And the passage says that immediately after receiving his sight, he began to follow Jesus on the road that day. He just got up and he went because he knew something special was happening. He was once blind, but now could see. Sound familiar? Right? Who loves that hymn? Who doesn't love that hymn? You know, it's one of my favorites because it's so personal to me. It should be so personal to us. It's our story. Right? We're walking along. We're laying on the side of the road, whatever it is, blind to the truth, blind to the things that matter. And we're wondering why our lives are so much, so challenging and so difficult and we lack peace and we lack contentment. And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And the light goes on. And so I'm gonna have the worship team come back up. <coughs> Excuse me. And Pastor Willie, when, when you're ready. But I'm gonna read some, something to you from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, the dead. It says, The God of this age, the enemy, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. They are blind and cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, for what we preach is not us, ourselves. We're not preaching about me. We're preaching about Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, may his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So I just want you to think about this for a second. See, if Jesus has already restored your sight and you committed and you committed your life to following them that day, then praise God. Praise God if you're still following and walking with him on the road. But if he restored your sight and you found yourself back on the side of that road, back in that meaningless existence or the rut he called you out of, then he's calling you to get back up today, church. He's calling you from the side of the road. Bartimaeus, come. Remember what 1 John 4, 4 says. It says that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so if Christ is in you, I don't care how tough your life is right now. I don't care what's going on. You have a power inside of you. You have a God who is inside of you that is more powerful than anything this world can throw at you, church. There is nothing, not one thing, 
that has a chance or a prayer against him. And now I'm going to say this. If you walked in here blind and broken today like Bartimaeus because the God of this world has blinded you to the light of the gospel and the power and the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ, then he's calling you out today just like Bartimaeus. So you might have thought you came here today because someone invited you or it's new, you know, a new year and so maybe you start to come to church and maybe if you add church to your life, things will get a little bit better. But I'm going to tell you why you're here because the God of the universe cares enough for you to hear this message today. He had to speak to you personally. That's how it works. Nothing is coincidence in his world. See, at the beginning of this message, I shared the truth and invitation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, it says that if we believe that message with our heart and we profess it with our mouth, then we're saved. There's nothing religious we need to do here, church. It's about coming into relationship with him through Jesus Christ, through our faith. And if you're here today and that's how you're feeling and you've never professed that or you've only had this religious belief of who God was, that it was a check mark or a bumper sticker, I'm here to tell you it's more. Is there anyone here today who wants to seize this opportunity to profess that faith today? We had two people in the first service raise their hand this morning and come to the Lord. Amen? We can praise them for that, can't we? Is there anyone here who's broken in need of healing? Is anybody hurting right now? Raise your hand if you're hurting. Raise your hand if your life is in a shambles. Raise your hand if someone you love is hurting. We want to pray for you. You're in the right place right now. This is where it all happens. Take off your religious masks, church. This is where we come together. We're a family where we can be transparent and vulnerable. We can throw ourselves at the foot of the cross and people, your brothers and sisters, can come alongside of you and pray with you and stand in the gap with you. And we want to do that. We have people who will pray with you. If you're looking for a deeper, more fulfilling connection in the, in the abundant life that only comes from Jesus, then I'm inviting you up to the altar today. I'm inviting you to come forward so we can lay hands on you, so we can kneel with you, so we can cry with you, so we can pray with you, anoint you with oil if need be. Because today, church, is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we leave it all behind and follow Jesus. And if you're looking for answers, there's none but Jesus.